0: Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. This actual play uses the Delta Green role-playing game rules by Arctream Publishing. All content, including names, places, events... Companies and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. You're all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Good evening, and thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your handler this evening michael diamond and we have a very special prelude episode for you tonight of a very interesting character one built by my guest who is
1: it's me miranda
0: it is you miranda and so miranda why don't you tell the folks out in our listening audience who you'll be playing
1: i am playing dr aaron weber a doctor of chemistry who works for the National Nuclear Security Administration, the NNSA. It's quite a mouthful. I work for the Nest Search Group.
0: Okay. The Nest Search Group. That's a a fascinating thing, which we're going to get into to help in our story explain sort of what you do in your career field. But your general focus, chemistry?
1: Yes. Chemistry and the sciences. Mostly chemistry because of my work with nuclear materials. Locating nuclear materials, assaying nuclear materials.
0: Yes, a lot of assaying will be going on. But before we, we do that, we'd like to thank the listeners and our Patreon supporters for assisting us with the creation and the funding of this episode. We could not do it without you. If you'd like to check out our Patreon, you can. And that's patreon.com slash the old podcast. So we will lift the curtain tonight in the year nineteen. 19- Ninety-five. We are in Albuquerque, New Mexico, not too far from Kirtland Air Force Base, and it is a pleasant April morning. It's a Saturday. The suburban neighborhood that you live in, Aaron, is already abuzz with kids on bikes, kids with kites, and dogs playing up and down the street. You managed to secure a fairly quiet suburban street for your split-level or condo that you've got secured here. It's also a cul-de-sac, and that means that your home street, generally on the weekends, is abuzz with activity. Because, well, you've got something that a lot of people don't, which is space. A lot of the condos around here are cookie-cutter, right? A lot of the same setups, a lot of the same paint styles... Yours is a little different, which we'll get into. There's some additions that were made to your space for for some of your personal hobbies. But the time on the clock at this point is 9 a.m.
1: It's early for me, but I guess Adam is late dropping off Holly, as per usual.
0: Yeah, unfortunately for you, your ex-husband... Adam isn't the most timely person. He's also not the sort of person who calls ahead and generally speaking is the sort of person who just happens to have car trouble or trouble telling time at least 60 to 70% of the time. It became pretty evident of that in your marriage to him. He was always showing up late for basically everything. It got him fired from a couple of jobs and it hasn't gotten any better since the split.
1: I imagine that's a good source of friction between Aaron and Adam, because Aaron is very by the books. If you're not 10 minutes early, then you're late, a uh, little high strung. And so having someone that is so loosey goosey with their time really, really ground down on Aaron.
0: Hmm. Speaking of grinding, the sound of must be grinding brakes outside. At least that is what you're pretty sure it is. There's a final, long, protracted groan, and then you hear a car door shut.
1: Does it sound like it's maybe Adam's POC junker that I keep harping on him to get fixed up because he's driving around with Holly, obviously?
0: You think so? Like really any ex-husband, any split, he's doing his best here in his mid-30s to try to revamp his image. Unfortunately for him, the cash has really never been there in any of the myriad of jobs that he's taken. And so his Buick, what you might call the Ick, because it's usually missing a few letters around all of the vehicle tags and monograms on it. It's an 82 late model two-door, because of course, now that he doesn't have a family, it's okay for him to have a two-door car again. There's a little bit of rust. It occasionally backfires. Luckily, it hasn't done that this morning yet. But there's a definite churn from the engine that can be heard outside. You hear his voice through the door yell after Holly. You'd be good for your ma. Aaron
1: kind of clenches her teeth a little bit and then relaxes and goes to meet Holly at the front door.
0: You are greeted by two things. The unflappable smile and pure love of a young child. This, however, is tainted slightly by the smell of Pall Mall cigarettes that sort of wash over you when she hugs you.
1: I'll kind of wrap Polly up in a hug and take her bag and see if she wants to maybe go get changed for for the day so she can go back out and play and I'll kind of sneakily if, if I can throw whatever clothes she's brought with her into the wash.
0: Yeah, this is pretty much par for the course. Every time she comes back, From Adam's place, she always smells a little bit like cigarettes. It was another tension point between you and him during the marriage. He quit. He'd start again. He'd quit. He'd start again. Anytime he lost a job, invariably, he would start up again because of the stress. And you told him an umpteen number of times that he should not be smoking around her, that it's bad for him and for her. And... Basically, if, if he's not willing to take care of himself, at least take care of your daughter.
1: Well, and the starting and stopping is one thing, but finding the half-smoked pack of cigarettes all over the house, hidden in Jean's pockets or in drawers, is that's just another level agitating Aaron, or used to agitate Aaron. But she still thinks about it constantly, anytime she thinks about Adam, all those little things that just really got on her nerves.
0: There's a squawk from upstairs, a clear call that your side... I guess hobby or I don't know what would you what would you call it?
1: This is stress relief. It's a nice hobby caring activity to just get away from work, get away from whatever's bothering me and hang out, take care of my birds, train them a little bit, working on some flight stuff.
0: You have some really beautiful birds. So how many how many birds do you figure you have?
1: Oh, I I think Aaron has four birds. Okay. But they're not the kind of birds that are just like a little, like, keep in a little cage bird. These are like birds that have large, large parrots. Erin has an African gray parrot, a cockatoo, that is just the honoriest of birds. She has a macaw, and I'm actually the macaw's second owner, as they live for a very long time, and so trying to train out some bad bird habits there.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're taking care of all sorts of bad habits.
1: Aaron's constant duty is taking care of bad habits. And then Aaron also has a Senegal parrot.
0: Mm, Okay. That is quite an array. So you have managed to find a place for these birds, your birds, at your house. Have you carved out like a separate room or is it part of your bedroom that they've taken over
1: oh no they have their own separate room that was when i was looking for a space Mm -hmm. i needed to make sure that i would have room for me room for holly room for the birds it's why i got kind of a a larger house on this cul-de-sac just to have the space people some people think it's strange because i'm a single mom i don't have my kid all the time for me to have all of this space but i needed it to have a bird room
0: Holly comes back after changing clothes. She finds you in the bird room, as she calls it. And she looks around a little bit and, you know, tends to take special care to say hello to the macaw. She kind of scratches her neck for a minute and says, there's some kids playing out front. I thought I would go outside and just hang out if that's okay.
1: Oh, yeah, that's fine. I would just kind of ab- absentmindedly tell her.
0: You know, she takes off.
1: Get outside and don't come back until the street lights turn on.
0: That's right. It does give you the balance of Saturday morning to do what you do best, which is, I suppose, for the listening audience, we should clarify, which is likely catch up on work.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I, I would love to have a life where I didn't have to take my work home, but it's the way it is. You know, when... You're working with nuclear materials. You're working for the government. It's, I, I don't have a great home life balance, home work balance. I guess that's probably my half of the divorce.
0: I think what's critical and what's important for us to understand about your work home life is that you're also afforded some reasonably nice benefits to that work. So. You have the ability to work from home on the weekends because you have an actual desktop computer in your house. And thanks to the government, you even have an inter- a dial-up connection directly to work that you're able to finish any any project data or any sort of data entry that needs to happen remotely rather than having to go into the lab to do it.
1: Yes, God bless America and God bless dial-up internet.
0: Well, I mean, at this point, you scream with 9600 BPS modem. It's unbelievably fast. And that gateway computer that you have is something fantastic. All of your fellow colleagues are a little jealous.
1: Well, maybe if they knows the grindstone as much as me, they have the same benefits. But you work hard for these things.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Like I have it because I will work on the weekends. They'll know they know I'll get stuff done.
0: You've worked very hard for the 20 megabyte hard drive you have. So yeah, you you spend uh, probably an hour or so uh, after uh, tending the birds to finishing out some of the situational stuff that happened over this week. The big sort of red letter moment this for the past couple weeks has been the confirmation process that you've been going through, going through data to confirm what the administration is saying is a potential loss of material. So there has been some concern that over the past 16 to 18 months, a very small amount of material, which was not material that could be destroyed, was lost. There's
1: no tiny amount of nuclear material that goes missing. That's Aaron's opinion.
0: Yeah. And this is sort of the the impression that I want to give is that you're talking about, you know, the decimal point is in the smallest of ranges. But for you, this is a combing through every log you can get your hand on, doing, you know, vast sort of Excel spreadsheet calculations to make sure that you can tell where the material came up missing at. And you've narrowed it down to October 1st of last year. That is when there, was, there were multiple tests going on at the same time, which is a little... It's not terribly common, but it's common enough. But there were people in the labs there who now no longer work there, and they sort of stopped working there soon after that material loss. It wasn't noticed at the time. It's It was noticed several months ago, and you've been now sort of set on the trail of tracking it down and figuring out if it's a, quote, computer problem or not. It's very common, you have found, for the site administrators to be a little bit questioning when it comes to computers.
1: I've got the nail on the head here, right, with when it went missing and... Yeah. Okay. And that, yeah, it's a, not an insignificant event.
0: That's what you figure. So what I'm going to have you do for me is why don't you give me an accounting roll.
1: Okay, I will gladly do that.
0: As auspicious as our first Delta Green roll is, accounting.
1: Well, I rolled an 89, which is a failure.
0: So your accounting is a 50. Um, you've rolled an 89, that's a failure. So just to sort of get a couple of things straight here, for those of you who are a little new to playing Delta Green, some of you, of course, already probably know what I'm prepared to wind up into, which is the the way doubles work in Delta Green, right? So getting doubles on the dice are really good, provided that you're under your skill. It's obviously really bad if you're over your skill. You haven't gotten doubles, but it's just important to sort of set that out at, at the beginning. That's not a... Botch by any means or any sort of you know terrible fumble that you've incurred there, uh, but you spend probably a good we'll say hour hour and a half, and you can track that there was a disturbance here as far as the the amount of material goes from this just one sample area, but what you can't seem to track down is where it exactly it ended up, or exactly who had their hands on that material at the time. You have a list, basically, of three or four names of people, whether they be internal people or whether they be contractors who were doing work uh, in the space. Labs had gone through a bit of a, a rehabilitation, and so there were workers and people in the space, although not directly in the labs, they would have been in the building itself. And so you, in your, we'll just say fastidiousness, are taking those people into account as well.
1: Yeah, I've I've been thinking this time that... uh. I would probably... I don't know. I have some weird feelings about how the department is handling this. Like, that they're not making a big enough deal out of it. And, like, these people are just gone. And I think I might actually want to see if I can look into them a little bit. If I could find any information out about these people that left. And if there's anything that sticks out to me about any of them.
0: Sounds pretty reasonable. So, let's say... Yeah, I think computer science at that point is probably your next jump. And then I would just ask you, before you roll, how cavalier are you willing to be with your searches?
1: I think Aaron would start very not cavalier, but then as frustration builds, (laughs) would become more maybe casual, reckless, even with what they're looking for and the fact that someone might, catch on to what she's doing.
0: Sure. This is pretty important to you, though. This is pretty important as far as your job and what you do for a career is is that these little ratios, these little fractions of material percentages that are off, that's not OK. And
1: honestly, if anyone has any questions, I'm doing my job. That's right. Which is to figure out where this material went. So I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. So give me a roll. It's a one
0: that is a one you spend the next 45 minutes or so combing through a series of databases at work. You find a way sort of into a series of directories there through your own computer access that you have at the house. And you locate the, not only the visitor, but contractor records of who showed up and you key in on a very specific name and one of the contractors name is Steve Baumgarten. So Steve Baumgarten was an electrical contractor who was working on a project, a revamp project at the lab from September to a, just about the first week of October. And he was part of a, of work, work being done at the lab in also in that same section of where this material came up missing. and. What you're noticing after reading through his sort of check-in and check-out, obviously everybody has to sign in and sign out every time. All those times get put in through administration to the computer, so that way there's a computer record of it, which is how you're able to find this information now. You realize that all of his times are exactly the same. He always arrives at work when he arrived at the lab at 7 o'clock. He always went on break at the same time. He always left for the night at the same time. And you know, being human yourself, there's just simply no way anyone is that accurate. It's not possible. Not over a six-week span. And this isn't sort of a something that would be written down on a paper and pen logbook. This man would have punched a clock effectively. Mm-hmm. And so there's you're a little curious based off of that. That isn't the sole piece of information you find about that, though. So where you go from there is to going to sort of other, you go in and get you unearth the reports of the after renovations to see what was done. And you see that every single contractor has been listed on the, uh, by trade and then by contractor business that they were a part of. You get into this list. You're, You're fairly certain that you shouldn't be even looking at this, but you're not willing to let this sort of thing go. And the Big red flag you get here, which is about noon ish or so during the the morning, as it spills over an afternoon, the big red flag is Baumgarten's name is not on this list. Had I, did I know
1: this person? Like, if we were working in the, do I recognize the name and, and like, can think back and put a face with that name? Someone that maybe introduced me as them or introduced me to them as that name?
0: There were probably anywhere between six to 12 workers, probably with three or four different contractor companies that were working. This is plumbing, HVAC, electrical, and then what is in effect a, a carpenter's union, right? And then any sort of the general services administration that would be a part of sort of the coordination, right? So any sort of build out that goes with external contractors is going to have to interface with GSA. And then GSA is going to, have to say when things are okay to do. Those GSA people are your people and they work with your administration there to basically determine when it's okay to work in a lab or not. And that's a critical. So I, I like the idea that as a natural one, you get a little bit extra. I will say that you do remember a guy named Steve. You remember hearing the name Steve. Yeah, you know, he was, he seemed just visually probably wore overalls, t-shirts, pretty basic stuff. And he did a lot of wire pulling for some of the new outlets in one of the renovated labs
1: yeah he's not on the list but he's been punching in and out at the same time i mean i'm curious in the fact that like did someone change times alter times somehow he got an ability to punch in and out even though he's not on this list of approved people so it it reaffirms that I should be looking into this to figure out who I need to take this information to and maybe who I need to not take this information to in case it's some sort of
0: inside job. What's Aaron going to do now?
1: Some good old-fashioned investigative work. I want to see if I can find Steve Baumgarten.
0: How would you like to find Steve Baumgarten?
1: The white pages (laughs) or... I mean, that's a reasonable thing for the 90s. Yeah, let's look up Baumgarten. Maybe I can find some Baumgartens in the area.
0: So you take that list of contractors that you have. And so you go to the easiest one to pull from, which is the electrical contractors, which is what he was signing in as under. And you go to the company and you see the company. And obviously it's noon on a Saturday. They're not open, but you get the company's name. It's AAA Electric. As far as Steve Baumgarten in the White Pages... I'll say that there is at least, at least, one D twelve listings. We'll say there's four Steve Baumgarten, and they could be Steve, Steve, Stephen M, Stephen L, and then Steve Baumgarten the second.
1: No, oh, it's probably not that one. No, that, that should I shouldn't say that seconds can't be bad people. They can. Holly's probably fine. Flatchkey kid. Did we say how old Holly was?
0: Uh, we didn't, but I figured that she's probably between, you know, I don't know, eight to 12. But it's your child. So you, you tell me. You tell me how old. Yeah,
1: because my gut said 11. Sixth grade, pff, that kid can stay home.
0: And you were what, 24 when you had her?
1: That would make sense. Yes, if I'm 35 now.
0: So you were 24 when you had Holly. She's roughly 11 years old. You've decided that at sixth grade, she's perfectly fine staying home alone.
1: Doors are never locked. I mean, she has a key anyways, so she probably, if I would let her know I'm leaving and that I'll be back, you know, that there's food, if she wants to snag something for lunch, I'll be back before dinner.
0: Yeah, she's playing with three or four kids from the neighborhood right now. They're running up and down the street playing some sort of game. You think it might be a strange version of kickball? It's hard to understand what they're doing, but they're having fun. My kids make up weird games. They do.
1: Yeah, so I would I'd let her know that I'm headed out for a little bit, but that I'll be I'll be back. She can, you know, make herself a sandwich or something for lunch, but I'll be back before dinner. And I get in my nineteen ninety three Plymouth acclaim that is teal. That was Miranda's first car, and that's Holly's current car.
0: That's perfect. So are you headed to scope out each one of these Steves?
1: Yeah, I'll start with the closest Steve and work my way out. Just drive past.
0: Yeah, so The closest Steve to you, Steve number one, we'll call him, is not too terribly far from the Veterans Hospital. So for you, you know exactly where that street is. It's not too far from the International Airport that's here and also from the majority of Kirtland Air Force Base. It doesn't take you long at that first house to realize this is not the guy. So the guy you drive up on here, who's working outside in his yard, looks to be probably a combat veteran. He has what looks like a replacement arm on the on the right side, and there is no way that he was he was the one pulling the wire. He's also probably 60 years old.
1: Oh, yeah, then I should keep driving if I see him outside next to you.
0: Uh, So driving to the next one, you head towards Albuquerque proper. So further into downtown, likely closer to closer towards the county medical center. While you're driving up on this location, you notice that there's a, a gray sedan that has pulled in behind you and has sort of followed you the past couple of blocks. You haven't done a ton of turns yet. But this gray sedan is behind you. It's a late model Dodge. After you get to the second Steve's street, it pulls left and heads a different direction. The county medical center is probably two blocks that way. You can still see. You can see it over the houses here.
1: And I can locate the Steve's house.
0: You can. You can find his address.
1: They sit out. For a minute, just like see if maybe it looks like anyone's home. Is there like a car in the driveway? Anything like that?
0: Uh, there is a car in the driveway, and there are several people, The kids playing outside, not of this house, but two or three houses down.
1: Yeah, it is. It look like a pretty just your standard suburban
0: area. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll go knock on the door.
0: Okay, you step out, walk across the block, and. As you're walking across the block, you get this sort of feeling. You get a little bit of a, a pressure rise in your chest, just because it's really nothing you've ever truly done before.
1: I'm I'm doing something that's a little bit dangerous, and I'm not telling anyone about it, and so I'm kind of getting a little little rush from it, a little little anxious, a little excitement.
0: So this house is mostly orange and red brick looks like it's a one story. It's got a little white porch in front with two or three steps. They have the uh, lattice work wrapped around the bottom of it. So that way, of course, the, the local wildlife can't make too terribly large of a home underneath. There is a single brown door in the middle and there is a window to your left.
1: As I walk up the front walkway, can I see in the window or the blinds?
0: Oh, no, you can see in the windows for sure.
1: Oh, does it, does it look like anyone's in there? Does it look like a normal place?
0: It does not look like anybody's in there. There's a doorbell. It'll ring it. It rings. You wait. Probably a minute or so later you hear the door click and then you hear the handle open and you see a, a woman, shoulder length, gray hair probably in her 60s. And she smiles and tips up her reading glasses. Hello, can I help you?
1: Oh, Uh, sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm, I'm looking for a Steve Baumgarten. Does he live here? Is your son or?
0: No, my husband, I, uh, he passed a few years ago. He was, um, very sick, unfortunately. Um, I, I keep everything in his name so that way, you know, we don't get too many, too much trouble.
1: Oh, I understand. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. I'm looking, I'm looking for a a different Mr. Baumgarten than I'm I'm sorry to bother you again.
0: No, no, that's okay. So, uh, what, um, what, what was it in regards to? You see her bright, brighten up all of a sudden. It's just a little uh, work
1: matter. I'm just following up with a with a coworker. Yeah, that's that's it. Just yeah, working on the weekend.
0: Hmm, isn't that lovely? Well, thank you, dear, for stopping by.
1: Goodbye, ma'am, Missus Baumgarten.
0: You run as respectfully as possible from that house because you know for a fact that Mrs. Baumgarten would have talked your ear off for a good two or three hours.
1: I've, I was backing up as she was asking me what it was in regards to. I was like halfway to the car by the time I was done saying that sentence.
0: Oh, the next one on your list is near a country club. And this country club is down near the river, near the Rio Grande. And this is a little bit, a slighter, we'll just say, run-down neighborhood. Like, there's a country club, yeah, but there are some streets over here that are a little sketch. You follow the address and the mapping and eventually arrive at a one-story house with, uh, of course, little to no yard, mostly just rocks and a few patchy...
1: It's called desert landscaping.
0: But no, so, so the landscaping there, yes, is desert. It's good for water conservation. I'll put it that way.
1: They're very skinny, tall trees.
0: Yes. This house is a little bit different than the last one. It's a one-story house. It's not a peaked roof. This is a flat roof house. And there is a tiny gray gate that sort of is split by stone material that makes up the wall here. It's about maybe four feet high. Beyond that, though, there is a smaller house. It looks like the windows have bars on the outside. There are two little white lanterns that sit outside this gate.
1: Okay, a little, a little sketchier, a little more anxiety-inducing. I'm determined to go up and knock. Why you do a thorough job?
0: You do. That's what we we know about you. I would like you to make me an alertness roll.
1: Okay, That is a fifty-eight under sixty. Which in Delta Green, is it like you want to get as close to the number without going over?
0: Basically. like, That's that's for contested rolls, right? Okay. So in, in contested rolls, we want to get as close to the number as possible. Mm-hmm. But of course, I'm going to contest that.
1: Okay. Well, I'm pretty close to my 60, so.
0: Indeed you are. So you go through that little gray gate. You hear the click of the latch and the swing of the door as you step through. And as you walk the distance between the gate and the house proper... Out of the corner of your eye, you see a gray sedan parked about a block away or so. Mm-hmm. And it's just sitting there. And the difficulty here is that you can't see if there's someone in it or not. The lights are off. But that grill, the front of that car grill looks really familiar. Don't like
1: that. But what it does mean is that I'm on the right track. So I feel like I've, I've approached the house. I've gone to knock... I haven't knocked yet, but I've seen this car. I started to walk towards the car.
0: You turn around to walk towards the car, and you hear the house door open.
1: Oh no. Now they have me flanked. I turn back towards the house.
0: You turn back towards the house, In the doorway there just cracked a little. You see the sort of weather-beaten face of a workman. A guy who's worked out in the New Mexico sun probably for the better part of his life. You can tell it's the Steve Baumgarten from the lab but he's older somehow he's weathered some somehow that he wasn't before. He's got deep five o'clock shadow from back behind him in the darkness there that the light from the outside here just won't penetrate something moves you're not terribly certain what it is He doesn't say a word to you. He just stares from inside the house out through the door at you.
1: Steve? uh, Steve Baumgarten?
0: The door slammed shut.
1: He's in the house and the door slammed shut, right? Yep. I don't like that. Aaron, you know, there's something in the house. Whatever Steve Baumgarten has gotten himself mixed up in might be trouble. The... Whatever material was stolen could be in there. This whole area could be in trouble. Aaron will proceed to check the check the handle.
0: Oh, of oh, the door. Yeah, it's not locked. Okay. The door was just shut.
1: I'll pound on the door and kind of call out for Mister Baumgarten. Mister Baumgarten, are are you okay in there? I, I look. It's you. Probably remember me. I just I just want to talk to you and ask you a couple questions. That's all.
0: The door from your pounding seems to have creaked open. You can tell that it's not fully latched.
1: I push it a bit and kind of peek in to see if I can see Mr. Baumgarten.
0: You push the door open and you don't see Mr. Baumgarten immediately. On the floor you see there are... There's paint has been spilled maybe? You think that's paint? It's green. Oh, okay. And it seems to have been drawn in a line from this spill. There's a line that comes out of it. It looks like a brush line, and then you see a few more. It doesn't really make a ton of sense. There's something here that sort of immediately reminds you of, well, like Native American symbology that's been written on the floor here. You've seen a lot of tribal art here, and... A lot of it is very beautiful. This is chaotic.
1: Mr. Baumgarten might be sick because he's stolen nuclear materials. I don't know what's going on here, but if I can just get it back or figure out what's going on, that would probably be for the best for everyone. So I will kind of take a step in now to the house and call out again. Mr. Mister. Baumgarten, look, I'm not the police. I'm not... I'm not the government, but I'm not like a, anything like that. I just I just want to ask you a couple questions and, and find out what happened.
0: You hear music now that you're deeper into the house, just having stepped in. You, you hear some sort of distant is drumming. Maybe it's rock music. Maybe that's why he can't hear you. Maybe the guy's painting a room or something around here.
1: Freaking weird because he was just in the door. I'm going to go in and take a look around. See if I can find anything alluding to whatever was stolen by either Mr. Baumgarten or this AAA electric, if that is its real name, because I think that name might be a cover for some other group of people that have made up this fake business to gain access to the NNSA.
0: You take a look deeper into the house. The paint continues down the hallways. Strange lines which you equate to some sort of tribal printing have been done. And they are not just done in a, a singular sense. It's not a image here, a piece on the floor here. It looks like the entire house has been consumed in some sort of frenetic, artistic endeavor. And it's not electrical work. In fact, the electrical here doesn't seem to be functioning very well at all. You don't see the lcd lights from a coffee maker you don't see any additional lights on and you can tell the light switches are in the on position but there's no electric light here the windows nearby are cascading in this pale overhead new mexico sun but even that is dim by comparison to what you would expect the interior of this house to look like down one of the halls, the main hall here that splits between the front door and what you think are a series of back bedrooms, you can see that a back bedroom has door has been propped open. And you begin to get this impression now that you're standing in the hallway that there are these, these lines that have been drawn with this strange green paint flow in that direction. Well, it's not the sort of painting that you would do. It's a little too you know, freeform.
1: I mostly paint realistic paintings of birds, so.
0: Certainly. But at the end of that hallway is where that sound is coming from. And it isn't music as much as it's drumming.
1: Okay. Strange. Uh, I will follow the lines and I'll continue to call out to Mr. Baumgarten kind of as I go and. He search deeper within the house to see if I can find him because he's he looked weird and he might be sick. And if he's drawn all this stuff on the walls, I don't know if he like he stole nuclear material and it has made him physically ill because he's been in contact with it. And so now he's hitting, drawing weird stuff on the walls and drumming.
0: You make your way a little further down the hall. You pass a bathroom. Why don't you make me an alertness roll as you pass that bathroom?
1: Can do. is a six under 60 this time.
0: You pass the bathroom, and as you do so, you see the sort of beige countertop, you know, single sink that's there. You see a shower stall uh, inside there that has been sort of deconstructed, and there is a tub filled with some sort of fluid. It's not immediately recognizable by sight as to what it is. It's likely water-based, but there are things that are floating in it. And because you don't have any immediate light, you're not real certain what that is.
1: Do the lights work? Can I, like, if I reach around and flip a switch?
0: Yeah, you you reach into the bathroom area and you put your hand on a light switch and a hand grabs your wrist immediately. Don't, don't,
1: don't, don't turn the light on. I scream the minute it touches
0: me. Don't turn it on.
1: Mr. Baumgarten, if you're if you're sick, we have to quarantine you. We have to get you to the a medical facility.
0: He comes around the corner of that bathroom space. He must have been hiding behind the door. And you can see that Mr. Baumgarten is emaciated. He's not wearing much more than his underwear. His skin has sort of and receded into, into his chest cavity and into his ribs. He has a lump, we'll say it's about cantaloupe sized in his belly that sort of protrudes out and as he has a firm grasp on your wrist you can see the his belly swell and move and he issues up this horrible burp.
1: Yeah, I Aaron it holds back at the- gag a little bit and is trying to, like, yank her arm away from this man.
0: Yeah, so why don't we have a contested unarmed combat?
1: That is a 29 under 40 for me.
0: You pull your hand away from Mr. Baumgarten and are able to get sort of back out into the hallway to step back from him. His belly, again, undulates out it it almost in a sick way reminds you of when a woman is pregnant and the baby kicks very violently, except this is slower and more elastic. You see the bulge come out sort of right about four inches above his belly button, which is distended as well. And now that you've gotten free.
1: I want to run for like reach in my memory. I've gone walked through this house. Have I seen a phone anywhere? And do I know some sort of emergency, like, quarantine number, some fucking shit's going down that I can't deal with, but I need, like, the CDC here. I need, it maybe has to do with with nuclear radioactive material, so I need some quarantine going on here.
0: Yeah, certainly. You wouldn't call 911, but you would know.
1: No, I fuck no, I wouldn't. (laughs)
0: You would know at the drop of a hat, the emergency number that you need to call. You know for a fact there is a phone on the wall in the kitchen in there, and you just need to get to it. Okay. You hustle down the hallway. You can hear your feet pound through the floor. You get into the kitchen. You nearly slip on the paint in the kitchen. I run for it. And you scramble forward. You claw against a small, circular, 4 person kitchen table that's in here and you grab the phone and when you pull the phone off you hear the dial tone you start moving the rotary dial phone on the wall here
1: oh it's still it's still a rotary he hasn't upgraded to push buttons yet
0: Uh, and so you're frantically remembering oh right no i've got to do this in this sequence and you hear sort of the slow approach of someone down that hallway
1: i'm staying with it i'm not leaving like something is very wrong here and I would have to like leave and go to someone else's house to get a phone I maybe need quarantine because I may be contaminated because he touched me I'm sticking with it here
0: okay so there is a clunk behind you on the table and you turn and you see that Mr. Baumgarten has placed what looks like a camcorder on the table right and he says in a shaky, terribly wounded voice, I, I've, got to, I've got to show them. I've got to show them what this this really does.
1: Mr. Bromgarner, it's, it's going to be okay. They're going to come. They're going to help you. It's going to be okay.
0: You have no idea whether or not it's going to be okay.
1: No, but you're supposed to tell them that. I've done some emergency response training, an amount of it in my job, and I'm supposed to tell them that it's okay. It's going to be okay.
0: Mr. Baumgarten kneels down in the kitchen, and he faces the video camera. And while the phone in your hand is beginning finally to ring this emergency number, you hear him utter a series of phrases which, for a moment, are very difficult to believe. He professes in these, this moment that he has been called by an invisible spirit from the great beyond... To be the sole holder of this nuclear energy that mankind has wrought. And that the only way he can transubstantiate to the next form of his existence is to ingest and hold all of it for himself. And he says to the camera and to the room that his salvation lies Only in this way, and that he has seen the invisible spirits that walk the sky. And you see him stretch his arms out wide, as if to accept something from someone. And that's when something invisible, it must be invisible, reaches down and begins to choke Mr. Baumgart. And you are going to make a sanity.
1: I've rolled a seventy-five over sixty.
0: You are going to lose a little sanity from this. Understandably so. You are gonna lose one point of sanity.
1: Oh, okay.
0: From witnessing a violent supernatural effect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mr. Baumgarten somehow, some way is choked. You watch his body rack with pain. You watch his the upper portion of his body bounce up and down as if someone is throttling him. The worst of it though is you watch the ligature marks appear on around his neck. The bruising of the skin. The bloodying of that portion of his neck as Baumgarten is viciously choked and his neck snaps. And he collapses onto the floor, coughing up an enormous trail of green saliva the front door opens
1: imagine this whole time too Erin got like halfway through the number and then this all went down and she's just holding the phone she hadn't gotten all the way through the number and it's like got that weird tone that it plays when you haven't fully dialed a number you've taken too long it goes back to the green tone or whatever dial tone.
0: you hear the tone on the phone you hear a voice hello Hello? Hello? It seems distant. Mm -hmm. You hear a male voice at the front end of the house. I suggest you hang the phone up.
1: Uh, I hang the phone up.
0: A figure walks from the front door area through the living room. You can hear his footsteps into the space where this suburban catastrophe has taken place. He's a gentleman in his mid-40s. He's wearing a dark gray suit, no tie, and what looked like a pair of gloves. He looks oddly comfortable with the setup. He doesn't look at Baumgarten's body with any sort of grave disgust. He seems way too calm. Almost unnervingly so. Well, this is pretty fucked up.
1: Are you with, like, the CDC or something, or...?
0: No. I'm with the FBI.
1: Okay. Assuming that, like, there must have been more going on than just, like, the nuclear stuff and whatever with this Bomb garden guy. We got to call this in. We need a quarantine zone around this house because this could spread.
0: I'm Agent Hull. I've been tracking Mr. Baumgarten's steps for a little while now. It's unfortunate what's happened here.
1: The man's dead. Something, something strangled him. He's talking about eating, nuclear material.
0: We'll get a quarantine team in here. We need to get a few stories straight, you understand.
1: What do you mean, stories straight?
0: What happened here is a very specific thing.
1: What's in that tub?
0: We don't want to know. We really don't want to know. He steps forward and, with a gloved hand, takes the camcorder. He pushes the eject button and then takes the tape out of it. He sets the camcorder down. This is, unfortunately, the second tape Mr. Baumgarten has made. He mailed one to a local news station. In a few minutes, people are going to walk through that door to clean this up. They're going to have a lot of questions for your doctor. There are some choices that you get to make here and now about whether you want to answer those questions and if you could at all be implicated in what's happened here.
1: Implicated? What do you mean? I didn't do anything. I was just coming here to find some lost nuclear material.
0: He puts his hand up. I believe you. No question. But I'm sure the snooping that was done on the lab computers is going to be hard to explain, right?
1: I, I was just doing my job.
0: Hacking government databases is your job?
1: It was not needed at the time, but I, I'm starting to see your point.
0: This is what I suggest. The people who are coming here are going to make sure all this gets cleaned up and that Mr. Baumgarten will be put to rest in a proper material. I need to know that you're going to be able to go back to work Monday, that you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, but I'm not supposed to ask what that just happened. What if that spreads? What if someone else does the same thing? I'm not the type to not ask questions. It's my job to ask questions, actually.
0: It is. The people who are going to come here, when they clean this up, they're going to return that material to you. It's not like Mr. Baumgarten can eat nuclear material and have it digest, obviously. You understand, of course, they're going to have to cut it out of him.
1: Yeah, he's dead now.
0: Have you ever vivisected a human?
1: No. Well, no.
0: What I need you to do, Doctor, is go back to work. Wait until the computers read perfectly equal on the material they're supposed to have versus what they should have. And then I need you to keep your ear to the ground. Listen... This isn't the first time they've tried to gain nuclear material from us, right? And it's your job to stand in that breach and make sure it doesn't happen. You did your job today. We agree. Even if you chose to live a little dangerously. The government has use for people like you. People that are willing to go the extra mile.
1: I guess I can do that.
0: I know you can. You wouldn't have walked into this house if you couldn't. So take the day off. We'll take it from here. Okay. I'll be in touch.
1: You'll get the material back to me, or it'll just be there?
0: It'll be returned to the lab by Monday morning.
1: What was your name?
0: My name's Agent Hall.
1: Okay. Agent Hall. I guess I don't have a lot of other options.
0: You do, but none of them are good.
1: Yeah, that was kind of my point. Aaron will just kind of start to head towards the door.
0: It's a very awkward leave, You have to walk past Agent Hall and he doesn't really take his eyes off of the situation at hand. Getting closer to him it's clear that he's probably again, Caucasian male, mid-40s mostly clean-shaven, very government haircut. He sort of exudes the FBI special agent vibe. Yeah. Probably a little too well. And he pays particular attention when you get physically near him to adjust his position so that way you're never actually physically in range of being able to get to the videotape.
1: Okay. I mean, I wouldn't have went for it anyways, but good for him.
0: When you exit the house and you walk down that stony path and then out the gate, you get back to your acclaim, Mm -hmm. sort of close the door and you put the key into the ignition. You see a white van drive up to the side of the house it's like a painter's van you can tell that the, the windows are a little dark that there's some ladders on the side of it general workman's ladder racks are available here there's a logo it's a little faded you start your acclaim
1: is the car still here too I'm assuming that was his car but is it still back there
0: the car is still there.
1: I will head to pick up some beer and then home. Priorities.
0: Beer and home in that in that aura?
1: Beer and home. Beer and home in that order. And then a very long shower. As hot as the skin can handle is what I'm going for.
0: Fantastic. So a little bit of an epilogue for you, doctor, is your ability to keep you're cool over the next couple of weeks turn into a couple of months. The situation with Adam doesn't get any better. In fact, arguably, it gets a little worse. He's again out of work. And at one point, he even calls you a little intoxicated and talks about how life would be just way easier if the two of you could work things out. It would be better for your daughter. It would be better for everybody. And you think he kind of passes out at some point on the phone, maybe because he's so drunk but that's kind of the ball game for him. You get by we'll say by the middle of July, you get a interdepartment letter that is offering you a potentially more lucrative position in research in New York City. Oh. Including the relocation fees for travel.
1: Oh, but my kid and my husband are here. Well, you know, I'm a career girl. Oh, and I hate to say it, but I mean, I can pay for plane tickets if I have more money and Holly can just come to visit me that way. And she doesn't love visiting anyways because she mostly lives with her dad. And maybe Adam will want to move to New York, too. So and you can't you don't tell the government no when they offer you these things because you're probably not going to get it again.
0: That is a reasonable conclusion, if not a very painful one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll close the camera lens on you, Dr. Weber, there. So thanks for joining us, Miranda, and having a little bit of, we'll just say, a an unboxing, so to speak, for our new Delta Green series. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we hope you have a nice, quiet night.